The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So this is kind of a special episode of the Paracast for a number of reasons. One kind of a sad one. We'll get into that in a moment. We're talking with the authors of a graphic novel called UFO, The Closest Encounter, the true story of Calvin Parker, which is based on a regular textbook. It's written by Martin Powell, who's well-known as someone who writes for real comic books. Jason Gleaves does the artwork, and Brent Rains also participated. But what makes this kind of a sad episode is the fact that Calvin Parker died recently from kidney cancer, I believe, and we'd known he'd been ill, and we're sad to see him go. So before we talk about this graphic novel, I hope we'll have some of our guests talk about their acquaintanceship with Calvin Parker. Tim, why don't you go first? Oh, sure. Well, I got to know Calvin just right after his first book with Flying Disc Press was released, when uh, he came on Exploring the Bizarre with myself and Tim Beckley. And after that, he, he really became a very good friend. We spoke quite often, emailed, talked on the phone, appeared together on uh, uh, several other shows. I mean, he he was just a, a great guy and a really good friend. And it's just, I I just always felt really privileged to have gotten to know him. So I mean, I was I was sad, as everybody else was when he first announced that. He was having, you know, the uh, problems with with cancer. It's I can't say that it was a shock that he that he left us, but naturally it it always is, and he will be missed. Let's hear from Martin Powell. Martin, my acquaintance with Calvin is was much more recent. Um, we first uh, we never met in person, but we did uh, speak over uh, Skype a few times back when I was starting to write the book. And um, what Tim said is absolutely true. It was a privilege to know him. Jason? Yeah, I um, I never met Calvin in person, but we, uh, we chatted a few times on Skype and through email when I was just starting to write, uh, to write the graphic novel. And Tim is absolutely right. It was a privilege to know him. He was a, uh, always a gentleman, uh, very uh, sly sense of humor that uh, caught me off guard several times. Mm. And uh, I, I think I was the most impressed by just the 
kind of stoic quality that he had about all this, which you know was something that really, in 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 most ways, really sort of wrecked his life. Um, but he came to terms with it, at least from what I could tell, and he just wanted to know what happened to him. You know, he was he was never sure what this is, and and if any of us are really truly you know honest about it, none of us know what this really is. You know, um, he. He had some ideas. So he he re- totally rejected the idea that it had anything to do with evil and demons and things like that. Although you know, he also always stressed that they weren't very nice to him. Of uh, these things that he encountered. So um, yeah, I was very sad to hear that he passed. Uh, he'd been ill for quite a while, but uh, he always seemed in good spirits whenever I you know had contact with him. And uh, you know, it was a privilege to to write his story he i i insisted that he that if anything at all he wanted changed tell me and i would do it because this was his story um a lot of the dialogue and things like that um that i put into the graphic novel i wrote myself but i tried to write it based on his you know his own speech patterns and the way he wrote his his two books uh but yeah, it was an honor working on it and i i wish we could have met in person Jason, go ahead, please. Well, like like others speaking here, the first I came across Calvin was many years ago when I used to read uh, UFO magazines and, and, and things like that. And, and really, it was the, the Pascagoula case that interested me. It was always been there right the way through, you know, my ufology career as such. Um, and I always thought, you know, wow, what case, you know, the beings he interacted with. And so it was a very early seed for me to actually go down that, you know, road of the Pascagoula case. Um, and then again, with Philip Mantle being heavily involved with with Calvin and, and the story and things grew, and obviously the books I wrote with Philip, we sort of naturally came along, and, and Philip actually asked me would I be interested in in illustrating a graphic novel on, on the case, which I had jumped at because, you know, it's such a, an interesting case within ufology as such. Um, and, and I got involved more more latter a bit bit like uh, martin said you know it was a, a latter thing for us to to get involved because of the book and i skyped with uh, calvin a few times emails and and went right the way through and i wanted to make this book come alive for the fact that the case stuck with me so much right through and the unusual beings that were seen, you know, the ugly ones, as he called them, you know, we wanted to bring that to light because it was a scary, harrowing event for both people, you know, Calvin and Charlie both. Um, but nobody had ever seen the the being on board the craft, the female being. Um, they'd heard about it, he'd spoken about it, but not seen it. So I wanted to really bring that element of the book alive and so people could see what you know he saw during his experience and when i went through it and you know i would email him and basically we did like a police e-fit with him you know i would say well, are the eyes right is the nose right is the mouth right and basically go through all the features of the face and body legs and you know, like she had exceptionally long uh, fingers as well um so I wanted to get the detail right, just like um, Martin said before, you know, he'd email and and 
and find out more detail of what was what's happening. And really, we really wanted to get Calvin's, you know, uh, whole opinion on it, you know, because it was about him. It was his case. And, you know, I got to know him better uh, as time went on. Uh, he was he was a funny guy, really gentleman, soft, you know, person, really um, sincere. Now, if you are a regular listener to the Paracast, you might remember that we featured Calvin Parker twice on the show. First, September 2nd, 2018. That's when we were introducing his book, Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter My Story. September 2nd, 2018. And the second time was October 6th, 2019. And then he was talking about a second book, Pascagoula, The Story Continues, New Evidence and New Witnesses. And that was a particularly important aspect of this case, being that it wasn't just Hickson and Parker. It was something where other people saw strange phenomena back then in 1973. And one more thing. Back in 1973, that particular time of the year, and we're talking about October 11th, 1973, I was working for a small radio station just outside of Philadelphia. And that year, I started seeing reports of UFO sightings. And so, of course, I would bring them to my morning newscasts. But most important, management never complained. Always surprised me. Maybe they had a secret interest in UFOs. Wouldn't that be interesting if they did? Of course, they're long gone now, so it's not like it's something I could ask them. So we're talking about the graphic novel, UFO, The Closest Encounter, The True Story of Calvin Parker. Of course, Calvin Parker left us, as we mentioned before, not too many weeks ago. Our guest, Brent Rains, Martin Powell, Jason Gleaves, with Gene and Tim, you're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. 
Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Are you a business owner? Are you confused by the complexity of the tax laws? We can help. I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been helping business owners solve tax problems for over 40 years. My book, The Small Business Tax Guide, shows proven ways to avoid all the common business tax problems. Don't risk your business. Go to danpilla.com to order your copy. That's danpilla.com. Order now and get a free 15-minute call directly with me, a $99 value. Go to danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We've been talking so far with Martin and Jason about this graphic novel. Brent Rains, welcome back to the Paracast. Would you have some observations to make about Calvin Parker and his recent passing before we go on. Yeah, it, uh, I, I know he's been ill for quite some time. Um, I got to, you know, I got to meet him, him and Charles Hickson just uh, 10 days after their, you know, reported experience there. And, and uh, I was in the Navy at the time, got on a jet airliner from Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, flew over to, to New Orleans to meet both of them. Uh, I, uh, there was a ufologist you might have known him, uh, Milton Scott. He was mentioned in Saucer News back in 1969. He was interested in uh, the men in black and the contactee stories and such. And so anyway, I got with him, and he drove me over there to uh, to meet them and to go to the the site of uh, you know where they said that these 
uh, creatures had taken aboard the craft. And uh, it was, you know, quite an intriguing story. I mean, in 1973, there were so many sightings going on. So I was, I was really uh, wanting to uh, get over there and find out what I could. And they, they, they were, uh, uh, seemed like very nice, nice people. And I, um, I really, you know, there were just so many, so many things to it. Uh, at the time when I, when I got there, there was a note on the door from a lawyer saying that, uh, they didn't want to be bothered. And, uh, I thought, Oh gosh. So I went back to the car and talked to Milton and, uh, and I said, well, we've come this far. I'm going to go knock on the door. And this young boy, I guess uh, Charles uh, Hickson's grandson was his house, um, you know, came to the door. And I introduced myself and I told him I was interested in these reports. I was not a news reporter. I wasn't trying to bug anybody. Uh, but I just wanted to uh, see if I could uh, talk to Mr. Hickson. And uh, the boy talked to, talked to him, shut the door a moment and came back and invited me inside and he was sitting there uh, nearby in the living room, and we talked some. And he drew a map to show me how to get down to the uh, the uh, the dock there where they'd had the the abduction experience. And uh, he also, uh, in a little while, Calvin Parker showed up, and he had him go out to his car and get me a copy of uh, the Mississippi Free Register from October nineteenth, which had uh, their byline uh, charles hickson and calvin parker is the the authors of an article telling their their version of the story at the time and he said that was the really only accurate uh, accounting that had been in the press that uh you know i could depend on at the time and and so anyway there's different you know um things that that emerged afterwards i i met him uh charles hickson about a year later in jacksonville beach he was speaking at a uh a library there that I would frequent at the time when I was on Liberty. Uh, since I was in the Navy, I was at uh, Mayport Naval uh, Station. Uh, on a destroyer escort, uh, uh, D-1080, USS Paul. And uh, as I was telling uh, Martin a while back, uh, I had, uh, you know, I was in my bunk. It was... Uh, night the you know as the lights were turned off and for some reason somebody had the radio turned on and i was i dreamt about some kind of alien creatures with lobster claws and i woke up and the radio was playing and telling the story of uh of the uh what we now know as the pascagoula incident and this first time i heard it and i got dressed and went out and I uh, got off the ship and went to a phone booth and called the radio station to find out more details. Of course, didn't take long before the newspapers uh, were given ample coverage to uh, the story. So I decided to follow up as best I could. And I, you know, got to interview uh, for about an hour, uh, Calvin, in uh, 2018 for my online magazine, Alternate Receptions. And, uh, Let's see, in 1975, I, I met a Will Jima down here in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And he was, uh, he said that he was an executive, uh, uh, worked for an executive, uh, as an executive for a shipping company down there in, in Pascagoula. Uh, when this all happened, he was part of a Methodist men's club, and they were playing the audio tape uh, that the police had done, uh, where they were, 
you know, they didn't realize that there was a recorder in the room and they were quite shaken. And uh, it was uh, many people were impressed by this recording. It was a hidden recorder and uh, they were just very emotional talking about what had happened. And uh, this guy claimed that about two weeks later, uh, he was on a beach down there uh, in the Pascagoula area. It was about eight o'clock at night. And he said he encountered three humanoid beings with oriental type eyes, grayish suits, tight fitting suits, multis. There was like a humming sound, but he claimed he had a, like a telepathic connection with them. Blonde hair, a kind of a bluish tint to their skin. And he said normally um, something like this would have frightened him, but he felt this euphoria. And um, he later produced uh, two LPs, which also were available in 8-track, uh, The UFO Message and Revelation 666. 666. He claimed to get these different messages. Uh, there was supposed to be a mass UFO landing uh back in the 1980s and other things that you know uh didn't really happen but uh, uh he felt compelled to deliver the message at the time so uh anyway um and there was a uh a canadian researcher quite well known he used to write for the flying saucer review in england over the years uh a professor uh um let's see Kind of located Max Edwards, that might ring a bell. Uh, maybe not. He he was um, a musician. He spoke about thirty different languages. I have a difficult time enough with English, but anyway, uh, he had informed me that up in near Calgary, Canada, um, about uh, ten years before the Pascagoula incident, they had a case up there um, involving a young boy who claimed that uh, he'd been hit by this beam of light and was um, encountered these alien beings. And they, they didn't know what to do with the report. Uh, you know, they, they kept it uh, kind of to them, to themselves, filed it away. Um, there was a buzzing sound. He was crossing a field. He was levitated by this orange beam and uh, they kept it under wraps. And then, when the Pascagoula incident happened with those beings, uh, they said that the uh, the description the boy gave ten years earlier was just just about virtually identical to what uh, that this boy had described, and that that impressed them, and so they began to talk about it after that. That is very interesting about this case. The fact is, it didn't exist in a vacuum. There was other activity to report, and something, yeah. of course, that Doctor Irina Scott and Philip Mandel have explored in the works that they have done on the subject. Again, this is a graphic novel about the late Calvin Parker, our guests, Brent Rains, Jason Gleaves, Martin Powell with Gene, and with Tim, you're in The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. 
And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA News Update. More than a 1,000 people were killed and hundreds injured in an earthquake that rocked Morocco. The nation's interior ministry revised the death toll Saturday following the 6.8 magnitude tremor that struck on Friday night. Former President Donald Trump is reiterating his belief that the legal challenges he's facing are a result of Democrats' attempts to thwart his return to the White House. You know, if I was in third or fourth place, or if I wasn't running, I'd be living the life of Raleigh. I'd be living a beautiful life. They wouldn't indict me. They indicted me because I'm in first place. Trump is calling it interference in the electoral process. SpaceX lit up the night sky with the launch of another set of Starlink satellites from Florida's Space Coast. A Falcon 9 rocket carrying 22 Internet satellites blasted off from Cape Canaveral just after 11 Friday night. John Schaefer, USA News. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. What if Extendivite really works, but you find that hard to believe, and you spend precious time looking for someone to say, just try it? I have my help today because of Extendivite, and if I did not take a leap of faith and try it, well, I would be on disability today. Take one bottle of Extendivite as suggested for 60 days to find out for yourself. No need to stop any other meds you may be on. You know by now that they are not working for you. Before the 60 days are up, I know that you will feel Extendivite working for you and will want to take another bottle. Life is too short. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Overnight. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. Before we go on with the description here, 
Martin, as a comic book writer, is this in a sense almost like a script writer takes something and makes a movie script out of it? Yes, they're not too dissimilar. Basically, everything that you see in a panel is there because the writer put it there. Some writers will write more detailed than others. I wrote this in a kind of peculiar way <laughs> because uh, I wanted to be sure that uh, that the whole story got was retold as, as accurately as it could. So what I did was I broke up the pages into panels and sent them to, to Jason, and then he would do the illustrations. Then I would add the... Um, the narrative and the dialogue. It's a method that's kind of like what Stanley used to use, and I don't normally write that way, but I thought it was appropriate here. Uh, it helped me to double-check myself a number of times, because I was essentially really sort of writing the book like two or three times over, and so that was, I thought, necessary for this to keep it as accurate as possible. Uh, but yes, it's it's not unlike a, scene, a screenplay in that regard. Uh, I suggest usually camera angles, the size of the panels, uh, so on and so forth. But sometimes the artists have a, a, a different idea, and it's almost always better than mine because they're more visually oriented. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's a collaborative thing and uh, not not too not too different from screenwriting. Now, in looking over the little bio we have of you, Martin, you've worked for some pretty big comic publishers like DC and Marvel. Would mm -hmm. we recognize the characters you've worked on? Yes. <laughs> for DC, I wrote uh, some Superman and Batman stories. For Marvel, um, I did a couple of very strange graphic novels for them back when they were uh, connected to. Uh, it was a publisher that post that that published mostly um, Christian themed stories, um, and they did. Uh, Marvel wanted to do graphic novels of Pilgrim's Progress and In His Steps, and. Um, Another editor that I'd worked with on a different thing suggested me for those because they didn't know anybody else really offhand who could who had adapted stuff, and I had done that before in the past. Although that's not that's that's not all I do. It's really a very small percentage of the of the writing work I've done. But but I do enjoy doing that. It's always interesting to get into another writer's story, and the mediums are so different from each other um, that they can they can seem pretty fresh. Now, when it comes to something like a Superman or a Batman, they have both gone through different generations of character development over the years. So mm -hmm. what era of Superman did you work on? Um, it, was, it was basically the same Superman that's in um, the Superman animated series that Bruce Timm did. Um, same thing for Batman. Um, my, my versions of both of those characters were taken right from from that particular uh, interpretation, which I was really glad of because I think both of those actually those animated series are the best Batman and Superman that's ever been. Uh, they seem to the the writers and artists um, animators on both of those series seem to be able to uncannily pick the very best things from both the you know the legacy of Superman and Batman going back to the the 1930s. And uh, all the way up to um, the 90s when this was coming out, and uh, and it's like the very best stuff they put in there, and I I was I was I was really really pleased. Any 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 science fiction writer who says they don't want to write a Superman story is is telling a not so, <laughs> because uh, everybody wants to. And same thing for mystery writers, which I am as well. So when I was offered Superman and Batman, uh, I couldn't turn it down. 
in, in fact, um, I did the Superman one first. And I remember in my being in my studio and typing the words, the Daily Planet. And I had something akin to a panic attack. This never happened to me before or since. I got up and I couldn't sit. I couldn't sit still. I, I, I was almost hyperventilating. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm writing a Superman story." You know, so I felt the weight of the character certainly, and, and for Batman too. But uh, it didn't happen when I wrote when I typed out the Batcave, <laughs> but it did for for the Daily Planet. Did anything you did with Superman influence the TV shows or the movies? Um. Hmm. Well. I used Supergirl in my story, and the editors originally were wondering why I wanted to do that, because they thought she was kind of lame. And uh, so these are DC editors, who are no no longer there, by the way, um, long gone. But uh, they were kind of like, why do you want to use Supergirl? She's kind of lame. I mean, why do you want to do that? So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, not long after I did my story um, with them, Supergirl, the Supergirl a TV series um, came into being, and now she's you know all over the place in various incarnations. So I don't know if I had anything to do with that or not. Probably not, but kind of nice to think that way, though. Some quick observations. I did see the movie version of The Flash, which I like to call The Flush, because it was <laughs> just one unconvoluted mess. The woman who played Supergirl there she looked the part, but she had no personality. She was like a robot. Whereas when we go to the TV show and Melissa Benoist, who is an actress, a singer, a dancer, with comic chops, I thought the character was portrayed with a lot more dimension. Mm-hmm. I agree. Also, a lot of people are thinking here that if they had hired Grant Gustin, the star of the TV version of The Flash, Instead of Ezra Miller, it would have been a better movie, but it was a mess. Well, you know, my my wife and I um, talked to, have talked about that several times too, because we were big fans of the Flash show, TV show, and it and, and it's you know apparently a big hit. It's been on, it's been on for almost a decade, and he's known as the Flash. So why not use him? You know, it seems it seemed kind of ridiculous. Um, uh, well, so it goes. The Supergirl that I used in my story, by the way, uh, was the same one from um, the Superman animated series and Justice League Unlimited. So this was a younger version of Supergirl, probably about 14 or 15 years old. All right. And of course, Melissa portrays Supergirl as someone in her early to mid-20s when you first meet her. Mm-hmm. Actually, the episode I liked most of that Supergirl and Flash was duets. This is the episode where they sing because they all had musical backgrounds and they were fabulous. And I'll bring one other thing before we get back to Calvin Parker. Season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. They have a musical episode. And some of those people are really tremendously good singers. Like the woman who plays Uhura is a Broadway star in a Tony Award-winning play. So she has the chops. Anyway, let's get back to our story here. The graphic novelization of the Pascagoula UFO abduction. I thank you, Martin, for this information. Were there things here 
when you novelized the book that you felt worked better with a graphic presentation? Um, yes, I think in certain ways. Um, I still highly recommend anyone to read Calvin's original books. Uh, but I thought the thing that, that uh, Jason and I could do here uh, was to visualize what Calvin is describing uh, to a point where people will absolutely see what Calvin means when he you know, used when he retold his story, because we had there there had existed of gosh since the seventies. There's been drawings of the creatures to, that he saw, but they're always a little different. You know, not quite like what he what he described. For example, um, Calvin described their legs as being together, as if they were fused, uh, and they didn't move their legs; they just sort of floated. Uh, but you see a lot of other interpretations of them with their legs moving like a normal humans would. Uh, the only normal thing about them, I guess. Uh, and then there's the other female alien, which, uh, or whatever she is, I'm, I, uh, whatever she was, a uh, female creature that he uh, uh, never made public until actually fairly recently. We'll continue with Martin and Jason and Brent and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us, but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? 
I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. I know I need to pay attention to my health, but I just can't seem to find the time. Between rushing to work and taking care of the kids, there's not much time left over for me. So I decided to start small by eating more fruits and vegetables and being more active. And then I got the family to make some changes too. We started by keeping a bowl of fresh fruit on the counter and I limit the amount of sweet snacks I keep in the house. I've also found some creative ways to add more vegetables to our meals. We're taking more walks, and on the weekends, we head down to the pool at the rec center. It doesn't happen every day, but it does happen. You don't have to change your entire life to be healthier. Just make some simple changes and include your family. You'll see how easy and fun it can be. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Now, some of you might imagine when we do a show with multiple guests like this and we have to have a Skype connection that works. We had a little <laughs> fun getting Brent to be on the show. We thought maybe the spirit of John Keel was interfering. Could that be possible, Brent? <laughs> Ah, no, it was my uh, my technologically impaired nature here. You said to turn off the video. I turned it off really good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend video on this show because, to quote something, I don't cast a reflection. <laughs> and when I do cast a reflection, people scream in the night. So we don't want that kind of behavior. It's not proper. Therefore, we want to attract an audience and have them learn something just as we are now as martin talks about the novelization as a graphic novel of calvin parker's story now you were mentioning here a female space being when we had to do our break would you go on please uh, sure um well the the story the public tended to know all these decades was uh, the one that charles hickson told um not that he was necessarily uh, fabricating or anything, but it was only a very small part of the story. Calvin pretended that he had fainted because he didn't want to talk to anybody. He didn't want to talk to any reporters or anything about that. So he just said, you know, Charlie, tell him I fainted and I don't, don't remember anything about it other than being hauled into the ship, you know, or whatever it was. So um, so the, the idea that there was a another creature inside of the craft is only something that Calvin revealed uh, 
recently. By recently, I mean around the time that he wrote his first book. And um, it's kind of a shock, really, when when you read what happened. Um, She was not nice to him. Um, She's very bizarre. And I I say she because that's, that's, that's what he felt that this was a female presence. But he described her as quite small, um, you know, probably not quite five feet tall, um, with a kind of a, she was very, very lean and very thin, with very long fingers that were different in lengths than human beings are. Um, and oddly, the, the weirdest thing about her to me, the way he described her, was that she seemed to be wearing a mask. Uh, she looked much more human than the other creatures that had brought him in. But still, there was something unreal, unhuman, inhuman about her. Um, and this would be something that uh, that even in a, even a movie, I don't think, could depict it as well as Jason did. Because you know, movies aren't going to co- <laughs> they're they're not going to cooperate with the people who uh, these stories actually happen to. They're going to do what they think works best for entertainment. But I felt that here we had an opportunity to present uh, Calvin's experience. As close to to being, you know, as close to real as it possibly could be, and um, Calvin was was very 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 happy with it. So, um, I think I think we accomplished what we set out to do. I think one of the concerns one might have when someone reveals the tales of some kind of experience years later is whether the run of time has changed how that person recollects things. What's your feeling? In fact, any of you can mention this, but Martin, go first. I know what you mean. Um, I, I don't get a sense of that from Calvin with this because he, uh, this seemed to be the most upsetting part of it to him. Uh, Even though the, the other creatures, the ones that brought him into the, um, the craft were, um, I mean, genuine monsters. I mean, they they were uh, somewhat robotic. They were. He, he said he always called them the ugly ones, uh, the big, big ugly ones. Um, but here here was this small humanoid female looking being that um, I would think would, would would make you feel more comforting, um, more, you know, more would be more comforting to you than these other guys were. But uh, that's not how it was at all. And she seemed to be very malicious, and uh, she never said anything. She just stared at him um, and did some pretty awful things. That was the that seemed to be to me the the most intense thing that he remembered about the whole experience. And I think he was ashamed of it. Might not be the right word, but I think he was a bit embarrassed by it, um, and just didn't want to talk about it until you know. Of course, when he wrote finally wrote his book but it was a it, she was a, 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 an entity that he had actually remembered encountering before when he was very young uh, as a boy in the woods so this was something that didn't just happen to to Calvin in 1973 uh, it was, it's something like a lot of people who who allege these kind of experiences it seems to go back almost almost through their whole life Brand is someone who learned about the case after it happened in 1973. What's your perception of the version of Calvin's story that we heard recently? 
Well, I was, I was kind of surprised by the change. And when I interviewed him, uh, it's in the September 2018 issue of Alternate Perceptions, an audio interview I did with him for about an hour. And um, I said, you know, you talked with with Charles Hickson earlier about, you know, that uh, just say you, you passed out for a few minutes or something. And, and, and you, you know, you didn't really remember anything about the interior being inside the craft. And he said, yeah, I said, I, and then he said he was, he wasn't sure what to call it. He said he couldn't move. There were no feelings. Uh, this female figure pinched his face. There was no sensation. Um, he said he had no idea what to call it. And of course, I know years later he was hypnotized by Bud Hopkins. And I kind of wondered if, you know, that changed, um, you know, the, the hypnosis session might've changed some of his memories some confabulation or something. Uh, I I know that he said during the physical exam, um, uh, I believe the first time, that uh, he heard a voice in his head said, don't be afraid from the female. But he said, noticed that her mouth or its mouth didn't move. So he felt it was a, a telepathic thing. You know, the second time, you know, he, he encountered her on board a craft and this would be i guess the uh, memories that came back to him afterwards because it was the missing time he was uh he was out uh fishing by an island and and as i recall he didn't have uh lighting on his boat at the time this was about six miles offshore and it was a good uh, spot that he liked to go fishing and he was getting ready he was getting close to noon hour he was getting ready to uh eat his lunch and he was planning to be back before nightfall. And all of a sudden, it was like 3.30, 4 a.m., and his uh, lunch was still there, not having been touched. But he said the, you know, when he remembered the experience and, and reviewed the uh, hypnosis session that Bud Hopkins did uh, some years later, uh, he said that, uh, you know, the memory that was coming back to him of it, uh, she pulled something out of his nose, he said, and it was very bloody, brutal. And he, he, at one point, he said, if I could have killed the bitch, excuse my language, but, you know, it was, uh, it was such a, a violent incident. He said the first time in 73, it was, um, it was not really, uh, it was more of this, they were just studying me, and I, he said it wasn't really that, you know, like that at all. But uh, in the 90s, when he was uh, in this, you know, apparently taken from the where he was fishing and had uh, another abduction, um, he said that one was quite, quite brutal. Um, but uh, anyway, that's what he came to believe. And uh, it's certainly interesting that uh, he described this this woman figure, female figure back uh and his childhood too. Um, I wasn't really aware of that. That's interesting. Can you clarify here? Were the entities or beings that Parker saw in his second encounter essentially the same race as the first? Uh, yeah, he felt this was the same. You know, he was in in this uh, again on board the craft, and it was a very rough exam this time, and. Uh, it was the same, he felt the same female figure uh, that he encountered 
as a child and again in 1973 on board the uh, the craft um, that he you know hadn't revealed uh, until recent years. We're talking about the late Calvin Parker, the graphic novelization of his encounters with E.T., whatever, with Tim, Jean, Brent, Jason, and Martin. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. It's obvious we're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media are distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the real concerns of American families. Countries we're at odds with are hoarding food, financial systems are strained, and supply chains remain too fragile. We can tell something is coming, so we're preparing. Folks are getting into self-reliance and investing in emergency food storage. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, makes it easy for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. And while you're there, stock up on water filtration, heirloom seeds, and emergency gear, too, at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now... Here's Gene Steinberg. We continue talking about the experiences of the late Calvin Parker from a time he was quite young to the time he was a lot older. Tim, you were, were about to continue. Yeah, and this this goes to uh, uh, Brent and and you know Martin. You know you can chime in on this as as well if you like. Uh, but um, from what he told me, he definitely felt that this woman was a distinct entity from the robotic types of creatures that initially um, abducted them. Because you know he had said that he never got any kind of impression from the clawed types of creatures. But the woman, he definitely felt that that she was a living entity. Okay, yeah. I know that uh, when I met 
Charles Hickson uh, a year later in, in Jacksonville Beach where he was doing a talk, and we went out to lunch afterwards, and he felt that they, those beings were robots uh, of some, something like that. That was, that was his sense of it. And, and uh, Calvin was, you know, pushed back on all this. He really didn't he, – he, he told me that he would uh, be somewhere. He'd get a job. He tried to put it all behind him. He didn't, uh, he didn't even read uh, the book that Charles Hicks and another author wrote, The uh, UFO Contact at uh, Pascagoula. Um, and uh, if he'd be at a, at a job and someone said, hey, aren't you Calvin Parker, the guy abducted by – aliens uh he said he would just uh leave and go to another job uh but finally um his uh wife had uh, convinced him that he should uh you know tell his story while he still could um i know he told me that he'd had uh at the time i interviewed him he'd had two heart attacks and a stroke and uh there were a lot of people who were wanting to know what uh, what he had to say about it. So he and then he was contacted by uh, by Philip Mantle of the Flying Saucer Disc over in England uh, who wanted to publish his story. And uh, so I think the timing on that was just right, he felt, and he went ahead and um, I think there's been about three books now, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> that Philip Mandel has been involved with in covering the story and letting um, Calvin tell his his side of it. And Martin, what about you? I mean, what about uh, your your impressions about what uh, Calvin was saying? The differences between the woman and then the uh, the other uh, creatures, things, whatever you want to call them on the show. <laughs> yes, he he said much the same to me. Um, Calvin did. He he said that uh, the grayish, wrinkled, claw-handed uh, things that hauled him into the to the craft. He said that they they seem to have a very precise thing to do. That they, you know, that, that there was no personality to them. They just had a job and they did it. Um, but this this female, he definitely said that he sensed a personality uh, with her. And um, there was something alive about her eyes, even though he described her face as being uh, a mask, something artificial. Um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he he got he gave me the sense that uh, that he was actually much more afraid of her than he was the 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 real scary looking ones. You know, there was that she was a powerful presence there in the craft. It reminded me a little bit of um, when he was talking to me about this, of the the female creature that Whitley Strieber you know, describes a lot in his uh, in his communion books. And not not so much the physical appearance, but their reaction to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that almost overwhelming type of of presence mm-hmm. about right. about her it <laughs> however you want to describe her right. um you know one of the other one of the other aspects about this case is how unique the robotic creatures are compared to 
other abduction or even just, you know, like close in, in, encounter cases. I mean, I, I can't think of really any other case. And and you guys can and correct me on this. I can't think of any other case of uh, uh, similar looking beans. Yeah, other than the one that Max Edwards told me about, that they had kind of filed away for about ten years until the Pascagoula thing happened, and and said that the that case there that they had of the young boy seemed uh, remarkably similar to uh, you know what happened in Pascagoula. Um. So they just kept that on file, these Canadian investigators, until, and didn't say anything anymore until uh, this incident happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to, I tend to, to always give it a little bit more credibility because they're so different than what was usually described. Uh, you think if you were making this up, you know, let's just describe them like everybody else has been doing, even though the the modern uh, conception of the Greys was not really quite the <laughs> the pop culture icon that that uh, they've become back then yet uh but uh y- y- well you know most most people who actually were describing such things um especially especially in other countries of uh, the beings were very human like for the most part that's not until betty and barney hill described uh, what they what they had to deal with that uh, this other kind of archetype seemed to seem to take hold so I, i've always kind of felt that um you know just the mere fact that that these creatures was so bizarre i mean you know why i don't know just like why would someone make that up <laughs> you know you, especially the part about them having no eyes which is uh, in other in other cases the eyes seem to be a big factor and that the people are always impressed with and talk about uh, being affected by, but these creatures had no eyes, um, or robots, or whatever they were. When I hear all these descriptions, I sometimes wonder here if they're taking number one a cultural bias, but number two whether the minds of the percipient are being manipulated to see certain images. Mm-hmm. Anyone can take this. Yeah, well, like you say with this case, and and especially this type of being, that the first initial thought is that it's a very unique type of being compared to, like you said, with the cases with greys, people being abducted, and that they're more like the minions that take them on board and and, and do all these procedures on them. I think this was pretty much the same thing, but they were very... um, unusual looking as we say very um threatening if you saw them first all you know it put the, the fear of god into both calvin and charlie um and when they'd taken on board they were there doing a job and that's his impression came across as that they were robot like in, in the way they were doing the, the the tasks of getting the people on board ready for the female et to obviously take over Martin, what's your perception? I I think there's some for me, and I don't you know I don't know, but I feel that there's something to that actually. I um, 
I think I have a I have a feeling that whatever this this kind of experience is comes as much from us as it does from somewhere else. Um, the, the creatures, the way that Calvin described them, I've always been struck by the fact that the way he described them, they seem almost amorphous. They're they're it's like they're not quite finished. We have something to finish right now. And we have Martin, Jason, Brent, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. It's obvious we're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media are distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the real concerns of American families. Countries we're at odds with are hoarding food, financial systems are strained, and supply chains remain too fragile. We can tell something is coming, so we're preparing. Folks are getting into self-reliance and investing in emergency food storage. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, makes it easy for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. And while you're there, stock up on water filtration, heirloom seeds, and emergency gear, too, at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural... You must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. 
Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Warren Powell, referring to the Pasternagula case, something about the beings were unfinished, like a creation process or creative process had more work left to do? Right. I mean, I, that's that's just my own pers- uh, perception of it. But uh, but it's always struck me that way, that they, especially when you see them accurately depicted the way Jason has. Um, they're really bizarre. I mean, uh, these don't look like guys in suits or anything. You know, they're just, they're very strange, very, very strange. Um, and it's, it's, it's not, to me, it, it doesn't seem to to evoke something technological, if that makes any sense. It's more like something like a waking nightmare would be. And I'm not saying that he was hallucinating. I'm not saying that at all. But the fact of the matter is we really don't know what any of this means. You know, nobody does. Anybody who claims to is selling something. You know, it's, it's, it's truly bizarre. Mm-hmm. I, it might be beyond our understanding, at least right now. Um, but uh, but that's the feeling I always had when when I first heard about this. Gosh, when I was in uh, in my teens, I think first heard about this case. Um, and of course, back then, the story that I was familiar with didn't involve the female creature, which kind of changes the whole um, the whole aspect of it. Nineteen seventy three was an interesting year for UFOs, and especially around the same time as the Pascagoula incident. There seemed to be you know, like an, an explosion of really interesting uh, sightings and, and cases, especially, what would it be like, you know, September, October, you know, in, in, into November of that year. Yeah, just the... Uh just the day prior to the Pascagoula incident, there was uh, uh, police officers who were investigating a, in the New Orleans area a report of a silver-colored uh, hamburger-type-looking craft, and one of the officers recorded the sound, kind of a humming sound at the time. And then uh, two weeks after the Pascagoula case, there was the... Uh, some uh, people on on the Pascagoula River who reported some sort of object under the water. And they called the Coast Guard, and they came to investigate and apparently witnessed it also. And they, the, 
people took oars and, and struck the uh, kind of like a submarine or something, um, and it was uh, it remained submerged and uh, disappeared eventually from their view. Um, and I I soon was intrigued by the the fact you know the Pascagoula River is uh, has a legend. I talked with uh, Calvin Parker about this in my interview. Um, there is a story that the uh, Pascagoulas uh, were an Indian tribe there. And there was a story, but they call it the Singing River, and that there was a woman in the river who uh, was like a spirit and would, would sing to them. And there was, a, according to the story, there was a mission missionary who tried to convert him to the Christian faith. And uh, this woman on the one full moon sang this uh her song and it sort of hypnotized the tribe and they all went into the water and drowned. And, uh, I more local to us, uh, down in Florence, uh, Alabama area. There was, uh, I met a Tom Hendricks who was a pot Uchi Indian and his great, great grandmother, Tila Ney was, uh, was a healer. And when she was, born they placed her umbilical cord went to the river also called the singing river and uh there was a woman who would sing beautiful songs to the tribe the women um she would be but with her umbilical cord in the placed in the river she would be a sister to this uh spirit woman in the in the river during the indian removal back around 1830s i think it was 1832 she was taken out to oklahoma along with her sister and uh she claimed that the rivers out there held no songs. So on foot, she returned back to Alabama. And um, and Tom told me he talked to a Natchez Indian woman who told uh, the story about a, um, a woman who would sing in the Pascal River, and she came up out of the Great Salty Lake, which was, uh, you know, the ocean down there, and was so delighted that she was in fresh water that she would sing songs and people today supposedly still hear some kind of unusual noises. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting uh, to look at those two things, the Tennessee river and the Pasigula river with similar, similar stories. Don't know what to make of it, but you know, some places hold certain energies and there are certain legends and who knows. Well, I also remember that, uh, and and Gene, you have to uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Uh, we had uh, uh, Arena Scott on the show talking about um, uh, her research into the whole Pascagoula case, and she uncovered uh, other uh, sightings and experiences that were happening uh, uh, the same night, night before, night after. Uh, one of them was of uh, like a young couple who saw as they reported a glowing scuba diver coming out of uh, the, the river. So, I mean, it's, it's the, uh, uh, what was going on? I mean, it, it, with, with Calvin and Charles, it wasn't just happening in a vacuum. They weren't the only ones who were having uh, bizarre experiences. Well, that, of course, takes away the possibility that it was all just something 
than individually happened to them. Because they were part of something, and maybe they participated more directly, but sometimes you wonder here how many stories are untold in Pascagoula, not just seeing things with maybe others met up with entities or beings, but never bothered to explain it to anyone. Yeah, I think that story that Tim just mentioned, uh, that came out, you know, some years later. I think the uh, couple had seen uh, Calvin on a local TV program and uh, decided at that point to to contact him and share the story. And then it, uh, uh, well, I guess maybe, I'm not sure they contacted him first. They might have contacted someone else, but he eventually got to meet him and shared... uh, you know, stories we'll get into more of this in our next segment the thing I worry about when something like this when someone else comes up with a similar story is it something that happened to them or are they just trying to cash in quote unquote in an event and get a little bit of attention towards themselves you have to wonder about that we've got Tim and Martin and Jason and Brent you're in the Paracast For listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. USA News Update. Justice Samuel Alito is rejecting Senate Democrats' demand for his recusal from an upcoming Supreme Court case, deeming it invalid. The request stemmed from his interview with a lawyer who was involved in the case. Alito stated unequivocally that there is no valid reason for him to recuse himself. More than a thousand lives have been lost and hundreds are injured in the aftermath of an earthquake that rocked Morocco. There's reports that buildings in Marrakesh's old city have been destroyed and one family was trapped in the rubble of a collapsed house. This is the strongest earthquake to hit the North African country in over 100 years. Phoenix could set yet another summer heat record if it reaches 110 degrees or more as expected Saturday. That would mark 54 days this year. The previous record was set in 2020. Maricopa County public health officials say there have been 194 heat-associated deaths this year. John Schaefer, USA News. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. 
I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers. There's only four days worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-524-3810-800-524-3810-800-524-3810. That's 800-524-3810. This is James Fox, director of The Phenomenon and Moment of Contact. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So having dropped that out there, whether it will hit with a lead balloon or what, Brent, what do you think? Do you think some people merely decide to kind of get in on the act well um you do have to always look pro and con on these things there were so many reports that were coming out and uh uh some of the the press i think over exaggerated because it made a good story like when i got to new orleans i uh i'd seen a front page headline about a woman that named gave her name and i think her address so i uh i walked over to her house I did a lot of hiking <laughs> and uh, knocked on her door. She was home, a housewife. And, and you know, the, the newspaper, way it was written up, uh, woman seeing light moving around the sky. Well, she admitted there was a cloud cover, and it was a, a light up around the clouds going around and around and around and around. I figured, okay, that sounds like uh, there was some sort of event. Um uh, Maybe a car, you know, car salesman, car sales, or, or uh, maybe there was a premiere of some movie or something, and someone had a, a searchlight that was just revolving around and around. So that 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 didn't seem to be too much of of anything. On the other hand, you had you know, and then while I was down there, um, I stopped at a uh, on a high. There was we were going up um, towards Jackson, Mississippi, after meeting, uh, being in Pascagoula, and. And I stopped in at a uh, police station, 
and asked him if they had any UFO reports. And said, yeah, some uh, truck driver said he'd seen a flying saucer land on the, the highway. I said, okay, can I you know, see a copy of the report? Uh, we didn't write anything down. So it was just one witness. Didn't see any sense in it, you know. <laughs> so there were lots of stories floating around. And, and some of them, you know, like the police officers uh, the night before, you know, Calvin and, and uh, uh, Hickson's experience, Charles Hickson's experience, uh, actually seeing this lion silvery hamburger type thing in the sky and, and recording the sound from it. And um, the object there in, you know, in the, in the Pascagoula River and, and, and lots and lots of other sightings that were being reported at the time, you know, you have to read all through it. You know, everybody knows a lot of the reports are mistaken uh, aircraft or uh, occasionally hoaxes, but uh, there is that, uh, there certainly were a lot of interesting stories that were floating around. And, and uh, I know that, you know, Dr. Heineck was on the scene soon afterwards. Uh, he, uh, Calvin told me that he told uh, them that he said, if, uh, if, you know, you're making this up, you guys should be in Hollywood or something, you know, that there was, uh, he was quite impressed. A lot of people have been impressed by the, the account um, and all that activity. There's no denying that there's some pretty interesting kind of uh, compelling type stories, but always have to watch for those that uh, aren't really what they, you know, the press is made out to be or people aren't properly handling uh, like the, uh, state trooper I talked to seems like they would have placed some sort of uh, report and written something down. I remember that um, not too long after the case came out, there was, there was doubt shed on whether or not the experience was a hoax or not based on the aspect that I think it was the, uh, uh, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, that the uh, nearby bridge, or or maybe it was a, a Coast Guard station, supposedly had uh, security cameras uh, looking out over the river and the area where the men were fishing, and that, uh, as it was put, nothing showed up on on the cameras. Now, this was 1973. Uh, you know, uh, what kind of cameras, security cameras, would be available at that time? That uh, were able to take, you know, like decent videos uh, at night like that. So, and and anybody can uh, jump in on this and comment. I remember that happening, you know, being reported and questioned. But uh, and I remember Ellen Greenfield uh, going down there and 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 looking into that too. And I, I, I don't think he felt it was really a valid uh, argument against it. Uh, but uh, anyway. Well, Alan Greenfield had a very, or has, he's still around and we're always happy to have him on the show. I've known him for a thousand years. He's always had a unique viewpoint with regard to UFOs. Yeah, he's, um, he's very uh, interested in all of the, the paranormal elements that uh, seem to be a part of many of the cases. Martin, I wanted to ask you here, because we talk about your comic book background and your fiction background. When did you first become interested in UFOs? <laughs> oh, my. Um, 
Well, when I was uh, nine years old, I was visiting uh, uh, my cousins on their on, on their on their farm. This was about um, thirty miles or so out of Louisville, Kentucky, near Fort Knox. And I need to stress that it was pretty close to Fort Knox. Um, we it was a I think a Sunday afternoon around probably two or three o'clock. Um, clear day, and uh, we were, me and uh, several of my cousins were out kind of playing in the backyard there. About 50 or 60 yards away was a tree line, some pretty dense woods at the time. They're not there anymore. Uh, And there was this thing just floating over the trees. Um, It looked like a classic, you know, Hollywood flying saucer. Um, In fact, at the time, what it reminded me of the most was the Jupiter two from lost in space. It was, uh, an unpolished, uh, pewter kind of color with a, a small dome on the top. I didn't see any port portholes or anything like that. Although one of my cousins said he did. Uh, so we looked at it for a while and it was just, like I say, it was just hanging there in the air. Uh, it would move back over the trees to the point where we couldn't see it anymore. And then a few minutes, a few minutes later, it would come back. It looked like maybe it was about, you know, it's, I was a kid. This was, you know, nine years old is a long time ago. So I don't know how accurate this is at all, but it looked like to me, it was probably 60, maybe 70 feet off the ground uh, based on what the trees probably were like at that time. And uh, so we were quite, uh, quite excited about it. I remember, uh, one of one of my cousins started to cry. Like uh, I, I never felt threatened by it or anything like that. It was just kind of an amazing thing, you know. And and we tried going in the house to get the grown-ups to come out and look too, and nobody would come out. They wouldn't even look out the window. They were in there playing cards. <laughs> so we came. I, I came back out on the back porch and and looked at it again. It wasn't doing anything terribly exciting. It was just hanging there, and then it sneaked back over the trees again and. That was it. We didn't see it again. Um, I didn't find out until some years later that that whole area uh, was actually a pretty strange place, according to what um, uh, some other cousins and their neighbors uh, told me later on. Uh, the only other odd thing that I remember happening there uh, was occasionally at night you could look in the woods and there were lights moving around in the woods. Uh, we took this to be hunters in the woods as I, as I was a kid, uh, but the lights were odd. They were colored lights, like green and orange. Um, uh, they looked bigger than would come from a flashlight. Um, but I didn't really think much of it either at the time. I just kind of thought, oh, well, like they're saying they're 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 hunters. I guess that's what they are, you know. So, uh, but that interested me very much in. Um, the phenomenon, which at the time, I didn't know there was a phenomenon. I didn't know such a thing existed. We're going to talk about this existence. Martin, Jason, Brent, Gene, Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com advertising is simple it starts with someone who has a need mom and then gets more specific mom i want pizza then we add urgency i want pizza tonight before you know it your gcn advertising message is reaching millions of listeners listeners who are definitely in need we You see, advertising on GCN is simple. Your message meets their need, and the result means new business for you. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message to feed those who have an urgent need. We want pizza tonight! GCN has the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 1,000 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay.
Tracy Tormey, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So Martin Powell's telling us how he first got interested, intrigued in UFOs. Mm-hmm. As you were writing all this fiction stuff, did you quietly pursue your interest? Yes, yes. I've 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 never given up interest in it. In fact, uh, once I once I was out of college, I I did my own bit of uh, field work in it. It was nothing at all like what what Brent's accomplished over the decades. But uh, but I very quietly looked into things that I heard that was happening around. Um, it kept me interested. Um, I, I think what what really drew me in was after my own sighting, uh, I found a paperback book that my brother had in his room that was a uh, uh, flying saucer serious business, which seems to be the book that brings a lot of people to this. And uh, I read it through, and uh, I was pretty much hooked from then on. Don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, a lot of uh, people who know of my interest in such things, they want a ready-made explanation, especially these days when a lot of the stigma of this is, is kind of um, calmed down and, and people are more apt to talk about it if something happens to them, I think, um, seems to be the case. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this is. I, I do think the phenomenon is real. Um, I, think, I think that at times it's at least physical some of the time. I don't, I, other than that, I really I haven't a clue. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, childhood experiences, <laughs> seeing UFOs, and talk about the same thing, how they try to get nearby adults to come out and see what they're seeing, and they're just completely ignored. Mm-hmm. And they're just so frustrated you know, by this lack of... Of interest. <laughs> You're not the only one who has said this very same story. <laughs> no doubt. And, and I know that, uh, you know, if any, any of my kids and their friends would come in and say the same thing to me, I'd be out there <laughs> in an instant okay. trying to see what they had to see. <laughs> uh, you know, just uh, um, you know, how many people have missed out on seeing something extraordinary because they just don't listen to their kids. Yeah, or look up from their phones. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, or their cards, as in your case. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I should mention too that uh, one of my uncles was a deputy sheriff of that area at the time. So, um, you know, I I don't know why that makes me seem that he should have been interested in this, but you know, it was something unusual. And like I said, one of my cousins was bawling her eyes out, and um, I I don't I don't remember exactly how long the whole thing lasted but i would think that would be probably 15 20 minutes that might be a little long i don't know but it seemed like it was there for quite a while you know and of course back in those days nobody had cameras or at least did carry cameras around them at the uh, spur of the moment like that um i don't know if i would have thought about it even if there had been a camera in our car um but uh but it was a startling thing i mean it uh, it it's um, the impact of it increased as I got older uh, and learned more. And um, and like I said, I mentioned that it happened not too far from Fort Knox. And I mentioned that only because, you know, maybe it was something that the Army base there was doing or whatever. Didn't look like that to me. I still remember it very clearly in my head. 
Uh, and I've talked to other cousins uh, of my cousins who were there at the time. And, uh, you know, some of them remember it and some of them don't, or at least they don't want to talk about it. Mm. Um, but uh, the ones who do remember it describe things very much like me. I let them describe it first just to uh, see how it matches. And it's except for the one that mentioned the portholes. Uh, I don't remember portholes. Jason, what about you? Now, uh, I know from um, previous times that you've you've been on this show of, of, of your interest in the phenomenon, the work that you've done with um, photographs and um, Photoshop, but what got you started uh, uh, being interested in, in, in the phenomenon? Is it the same thing as Martin? Did you have an early experience? Yeah, definitely. It was... Um Again, when I was young, seven seven years old, and I've got an older sister, she was eight. Um, we were both playing in my grandparents' house when we were obviously that age, oblivious to UFOs and everything, not interested in the subject at all. Um, this was in the, the mid-70s in Liverpool in the UK. And um, basically, we, we both saw a silver disc-shaped craft hovering outside of the bedroom window. Um, I didn't see it first. My sister saw it and then got my attention. And we, we looked at this object, very shiny, you know, your typical um, sports model type of craft, as you say, uh, hovering outside the window. And then it took off at high velocity, and we just carried on playing as if nothing had happened. And unusual to think about that now, back at the time. And I actually forgot about the incident um, until many, many years later, when my sister actually said to me, uh, "Do you remember when we saw that craft outside the window at you know, our grandparents?" And then it started to slowly come back, but that really got me interested after that, and I'd start reading the the Arthur C. Clarke books, the Unexplained books at the time. You would have to go to a, a library at the time to get your books, to read up on the subject, and, and then Star Wars and films like that started to come out, and it, it took, took off even more. And then much, much later, when I was in the Air Force, um, I was on the base at RAF Cosford here in the U.K., which is central England-ish, and it was in March of 1993. And a huge black triangle came down over the base. Um, it was described at the time to be the size of a battleship. Um, it was seen by many military personnel on the base. And a friend of mine was the Audley Corporal in the guardroom. I was on the base that night. And it took off at high velocity and went on to another RAF base. And all this information is out there because when the uk government released the ufo files a few years back now all the reports were in there at the, the obviously the the police wrote at the time so it's all there and everyone can go and look this up you know so really that was where i snowballed into ufology and every, everything seemed to just lead on to the next thing well we'll, we'll continue this with uh with with Brent now, you know Brent. We've uh, you know we've all known you for a number of years. But what about you? I mean, what what got you interested in the phenomena? Well, like like Martin, uh, flying saucers, serious business by Frank Edwards, and I'd also seen him on the Link Letter Show, and and um, it was March nineteen sixty six. There were all the sightings out in Michigan. I guess that was swamp gas, 
and uh, <laughs> well, and we had uh, we had sightings in my home state then of Maine. Uh, we had a um, a gentleman, John King, up in Bangor, who that month said that he had uh, fired uh, four bullets at a craft that was about a foot off the ground, metallic-looking craft with a dome, and he heard at least two pings, so he hit it at least twice, supposedly, and he reported it to the Bangor police, who reported in the papers that he was uh, seemed really disturbed by the, the experience he had. And that intrigued me. And I remember my father and I would, you know, kind of do a little sky watching. Never did see anything. But uh, I was kind of interested, but not enough to really get involved. But then later in the year, I read Frank Edwards' book. And by January of 1967, I started clipping stuff out of newspapers and began, you know, picking up magazines and, uh, and soon started corresponding and reading other books, and I became a ufologist. Uh, I, I, I think that Gene Duplanter up in Canada, the, used to edit that magazine, Sauce of Space and Science, I think he was the one that came up with that, that term, ufologist. Don't have to have a degree or anything, just you're a ufologist. <laughs> you're addicted. Now, he was very interesting because he was an artist, and he drew a lot of interesting pictures over his lifetime. Yeah, he would illustrate his uh, his magazine. It was a, it was a good magazine. I I always enjoyed reading it, and uh, there was quite a bit of good stories that he would uh, put in it. Do you know if anyone has put any of that material online? Um, I think maybe they have. Uh, this uh, Isaac, uh, uh, I think K O I Isaac Coy, yes. Yeah, I, he's put a lot of uh, different publications online. Yeah, definitely. By the way, he put my magazine, Caveat MTOR, online. So all the issues are available. The URL is impossible to describe, unfortunately. But there you go. Brent, Gene, Tim, Martin, Jason, I'm running out of names. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball. I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later? Come on, it'll be fun. It will be there when you get back. Okay, but there's no way you're going to win. 
Why don't you grab some water and granola bars, and then we'll see about that. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard, and when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. I need help with my taxes. Where can I find free tax help? If you make fifty-four thousand dollars a year or less, you can participate in the IRS Volunteer Income Tax Assistance (VITA) or the Tax Counseling for the Elderly (TCE) programs. IRS certified volunteers provide free basic tax prep for low to moderate income taxpayers. The TCE program is specifically for taxpayers age sixty and older. Go to irs.gov and enter "free tax prep" in the search box to find a VITA or TCE site near you. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So today on the Paracast, it's a quintet. Okay, it's like a rock and roll band with Gene and Martin and Jason and Brent and Tim. Speaking of rock and roll bands, by the way. There's a new recording out now by the Rolling Stones from their first album in twenty thousand years. It's called "Angry," and it's on YouTube if you want to listen to it. It is vintage Rolling Stones, even though they're three hundred years old each. I'm joking, Jason. Looking at making a graphic representation of this novel. Did you use photos? Of Hickson Parker to come up with this. I used、uh, quite a few different methods,、um, but the the whole thing with this this graphic novel, the most important thing from the very start, in conjunction with Martin, is we wanted to get the detail right. We wanted to get everything we could, even down to the vehicles. Calvin was driving. You know what restaurants, TV shows. Everything was everything was literally what we could get the best detail for this case,、um, and you know it was important to Calvin as well because you know it was, it was his legacy going on, and even down to when he was taken on board the craft, which is a new part of this story. You know this encounter is you know things where where he was lying on on the examination table after the the ugly ones had put him on the table, and the female came in. But before that, there was a a black box came out of the ceiling, and it was rotating round his head as if it was doing like a scan of him and things like that. And down to also where he went back on later onto the craft and and atta- basically attacked the the female. Uh, extraterrestrial, whatever you want to call her,、um, you know, and the and the blood, the black blood oozing out of her, her ear, you know, the detail was so important right through. And again, we would cross reference all the time with Martin and with、um, Calvin himself, and say, "Is this right? You know, what can we change?" And we would, we literally, it was down to Calvin who called the shots to what he actually wanted in the account. Now, interesting here for those of us who haven't read a lot of graphic novels. Is there a reason to specialize on black and white? That was、um, really kick- another thing that was brought up at the beginning because we wanted to get the the era right. The black and white was more of the seventies, you know, that so people could relate. 
back to when they read it that you could read the story as if it was going through from way back instead of modern day. So that that's really where that came from. Well, it certainly looks interesting and it comes across as a really entertaining presentation. And we're glad that you did it. And I just wonder here, what kind of reaction are readers giving you over this? Does the presence of a novelization hurt at all the credibility of such a tale? I, I don't think so. I think it, it, it really approaches a new audience, um, really, because the books, again, wrote with uh, Philip Mantle, you know, and again, through Calvin, his of his account. You know, I suggest anyone go and read those still because they're really good accounts. Irina Scott as well, you know, the work they've actually done and the new witnesses that have come forward, which is, you know, this case just snowballs and snowballs because there's more and more witnesses coming forward to, you know, they've seen things, you know, Marie and her husband that were across the, the, the river itself and saw the object and Calvin and Charlie, you know, from the opposite side of the river. So, again, that just authenticates uh, Calvin's story and uh, what happened. And then, you know, it's just one of those stories that it's so believable. And we wanted, with the graphic novel, like we said, we wanted to get over to a different audience that could read that and then, you know, interpret and sort of feel the story as they were going through. But now that you two have uh, have done this one, any consideration on uh, uh, taking on any other uh, cases? I mean, this one is so well done. I think that uh, there are uh, uh, other cases that 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 you could handle with the uh, uh, same quality and dedication to the facts that. Um, you know, because people may be familiar somewhat with the Pascagoula case, but all these extra details that have came out over the years that you've included in this uh, in this graphic uh, book uh, really are what make it. So, I mean, you know, I can th- I can think of other uh, equally fascinating cases that uh, that you could take on. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Martin feels the same. You know, and. And, and the work that we put into it together as a team is, is what has made the book so good in, in the respect of, you know, when I actually got a copy of the book and sat down and read it myself, then it hit home to me really how the detail in the work we've actually put in over, you know, to being a year and a half in the making and, and with everybody involved in the book has put their part in, you know, and made the story what it is in the book, you know, brought it to life and i'd certainly be up for doing more stories within ufology but really i would like to still work with the original people if we could because of the detail that's what the most important thing is the detail (laughs) what about you martin yeah i i'd be happy to do another one um i I agree with uh, with jason that i would prefer it to be uh, with whatever we might do next to to involve the original witnesses, if possible, I should mention too that um, how I came into all this and how the book came to be it was really through Philip Mantle. Um, he approached me via email. I knew of him by his reputation, of course. I've been 
<laughs> I've been, in, as I say, quietly involved in all this for quite a while, uh, about 25 years. So I knew I knew of Philip, and uh, he very matter-of-factly just stated whether or not I'd be interested in such a thing. Um, he had seen uh, he had seen me post about other uh, books, graphic novels. I do write real books too, so to speak, real books. <laughs> but uh, he'd seen me uh, post about those on Facebook, and and um, apparently thought uh, it might be a good fit. Um, I didn't have to think about it at all. I I was ready to do it right away. And um, like uh, like Jason said, I think the advantage we had with this with this particular format is that we could bring it to life. Um, a movie could do that too, but maybe not as accurately because like I said, producers will change things. Uh, sometimes you have to, sometimes they just do it because they can. Uh, and in this case, this was, you know, Calvin was right there. He was like standing right over our shoulders the whole time, uh, making sure that everything was exactly the way he remembered it and wanted it to be. Um, so that was, that was the main thing that I wanted to accomplish with this. And and I wanted to focus really on um, the human aspect of it as much as the the weirdness, because it really is a very human story. It's, you know, this is a situation of a man who uh, was minding his own business with his friend one night fishing, and his whole life abruptly changed. Um, it haunted him probably to the grave. Um, he, he had to move several times over and over again um you know it's it's uh, it's really quite quite an epic in and of itself and i and i learned so much more about the case just through calvin's first book and I, you know most most ufo books um that recount different different cases will, will at least touch on this one and so i'd read of it many times before in the past but there was so much more detail uh you know, like the addition of the female creature, um, experiment, uh, experiences he had as a kid. Uh, I didn't know that he um, that he had met Bud Hopkins and uh, and so forth and J. Allen Hynek. I didn't know about any of that, and I have a feeling a lot of other people didn't either. And so this was something that I thought, yeah, let's you know this this could be this could be really uh, a good thing. It could be really a, a historic piece. More to come, Martin, Jason. Brent, Gene, Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. That's 800-670-0946. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at TeamG'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. TeamG'day.com. TeamG'day.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. Dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we continue exploring this graphic novel. Spares the title UFO, The Closest Encounter. The True Story of Calvin Parker. Brent, what was your contribution to the book? Well, uh, I was telling Martin earlier about, you know, being down there uh, 10 days after their reported abduction experience and meeting them and, and, and going to the, the site and then, you know, later meeting this Will Jemer and, and just, you know, he said maybe, you know, like 
contribute an introduction. So that's that's what I that I why I had done at the time, and that uh, other than just pulling you know certain little threads together that uh, seemed to connect with the story, that was that was my role in this. I appreciated uh, you know being invited to participate in this project. It's uh, I think it really come out really good, and I think that it will. It's a, a book that a lot of people um, will find uh, very interesting and, and enjoy reading. Not just, you know, the words, but seeing the illustrations, and, and I think it puts it on another level. And and actually, I recall in a previous conversation with Martin that uh, this really, he'd done something similar in collaboration with, with Whitley Scriber in the past, uh, doing, a, I think, a graphic novel. Is that true, Martin? Oops, sorry, I got clicked off there for a second. Uh, it is true. Uh, back in the um, uh, the early '90s, uh, I met Whitley and we became friends. Um, and um, it, I think this was around the time of his third book in his counter counter experience. I think it's the Secret School, I believe, had come out, and it uh, occurred to me. We were talking on on the phone one evening. Uh, about different things. He was talking about uh, um, various movie and TV deals that were continually coming to him that he was turning down because he uh, he didn't trust them and uh, and so on and so forth. And uh, so one thing came, led to another. We contacted um, a friend of mine, uh, Gary Reed, who was the the publisher of Caliber Press. This is the same company that that. Uh, comic book company that uh, originally published The Crow. Um, that's their main claim to fame. And uh, Gary was a good guy, and we um, we decided to uh, propose a six-issue miniseries that more or less um, told the story of Whitley's three books um, from beginning to end, as they existed at that time. And um, it we did we did publish two of them. It, the, the series was called Beyond Communion. Whitley did participate in it. Uh, I wrote it, and um, I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember the artists' names. Uh, there was a there was a couple of them, uh, maybe three, that worked on it. This was back around 1994 or something like that. Um, yeah, the the my friend Steve Neal. The Hollywood special effects artist did the covers of the of the comics. Uh, they were photograph um, photographs of his own uh, creations of the of Whitley's visitors, which are very very eerie. Um, so he did the, did that too for me, and we uh, we published them. Two issues came out, and and then uh, sales just weren't there. You know, it's just, I don't think I think our timing was off. I think the the audience that then was uh, that, that were comic book readers just what, what was this you know they just didn't understand it and so uh, it was canceled after the second issue um, but it was fun while it lasted and uh, and I got to learn a whole lot um, during that time too about uh, things that I didn't know about before that Whitley is a uh, an unending uh, <laughs> wealth of, of information on this and all this stuff and it was I could just sit there and listen to him for an hour or two at a time without saying a word. We did have Whitley Strieber on the Paracast a few years back, and mm-hmm. certainly fascinating character. What's your take on him, though? Do you accept everything he says as an accurate 
representation of an experience he had? Um, <laughs> not well, you know. That's that's not, in a way, not a, a fair thing for me to say, one way or the other. I Whitley has his own interpretation of what's going on. For what it's worth, I do think that there is something that he's experiencing that's real. Um, I talked to him a couple times uh, when it seemed like something odd was going on, even during our conversation. Um, so I do believe him as far as that goes. Uh, he has a very complex explanation for a lot of it that, quite frankly, is beyond me. I think it goes over my head. Um he could well be right. Um, I just, I like I've said before, I just simply don't know. I think he's, re- I think he's, ex- I think he's describing his experiences as best he's able, and probably better than almost anybody else, uh, just because he's such a, such a skillful writer. Uh, we're real lucky about that, by the way, that someone that's that eloquent um, has decided to come forward and talk about his experience himself. Um, Rather courageously, actually. Um, but uh, I do think he's the real thing. Whether or not everything he says is the correct thing, I have no idea whatsoever. And I think Whit- Whitley might actually agree with that, too, maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you something really weird here. I saw Whitley do a presentation before the New York Fortean Society. That's where John Keel and Tim Beckley were present. And he mentioned government surveillance, what he was doing, that the IRS conducted a pretty onerous audit of the taxes. This would be probably late 80s. And then a few months later, I get an IRS letter. They want to audit my taxes. Of course, there was nothing special about my taxes. We can see someone who's a best-selling author who's worked in film and books and everything, they might find something there. It's just strange coincidence that he mentions it, and suddenly, out of the blue, I get the audit, too. Mm. It's kind of ominous. <laughs> Total paranoia. It comes with the territory. Yeah. Definitely weird, though, how that happened with Whitley. So I don't know what to think about it. I mean, when I first read Communion, it was a straight-to-me tale of him being abducted by alien beings, and then it turned out to be a lot more and a lot different over time. And even now, I'm not 100% sure that he has a firm handle on it. It could be, couldn't be, but he's still active there. He's still out there doing his thing. Yeah, he is. And I, I haven't actually had any contact with him for for quite a while, I mean, a, a number of years. So uh, I don't really know where he's at in this right now. I haven't really uh, kept up, uh, so to speak. Um, but um, uh, I remember reading Communion, and uh, this is before we met, of course, and um, and it, was, it, it genuinely creeped me out. I hey, before we get creeped out with these announcements, let's get back with Martin, Jason... Gene, Tim, Brent, one hand, two duck. No, that's ridiculous. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Donald Trump warned America. The U.S. dollar is under attack, and it's becoming less and less valuable by the day. Hyperinflation and speculation is killing your retirement. Don't leave your money sitting in cash. It's time you diversified and protected your future with physical precious metals. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000 and get your free digital dollar survival kit and learn how you could get up to $1,000 in free silver today. Call Advantage Gold now at 800-900-8000 to get your free digital dollar survival kit. And you may qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Advantage Gold is the number one rated gold and silver company in America. Your future is precious. Protect it today when you call Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000 now. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. That's 800-900-8000. USA News Update. Most of West Maui will officially reopen to travelers on October 8th under a new wildfire emergency proclamation that was signed on Friday by Hawaii Governor Josh Green. As we approached fall, updated COVID-19 vaccines are set to be released right alongside flu shots. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grissom, her emergency order suspending the right to carry firearms in public and around Albuquerque, drew an immediate court challenge from a gun rights group. Donald Trump stepping out of a fraternity house to the cheers of hundreds of Iowa State University students tossing autographed footballs into the crowd. He then entered a motorcade to head to a private stadium suite where he watched the school's annual football grudge match with the University of Iowa. Corey Myers, USA News. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. It's obvious we're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media are distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the real concerns of American families. Countries we're at odds with are hoarding food, financial systems are strained, and supply chains remain too fragile. We can tell something is coming, so we're preparing. Folks are getting into self-reliance and investing in emergency food storage. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, makes it easy for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. And while you're there, stock up on water filtration, heirloom seeds, and emergency gear, too, at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare today. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. When I drop in all those names because we have a quintet here, I start thinking of the old Jerry Lewis announcer's joke. One hen, two ducks, three squawking. You don't want to hear that. (laughs) Nobody knows what I'm talking about, so I won't even get into it. When we think of graphic comics, I think of, for example... Men in Black. And we had something that was purportedly real, the legends of the men in black in the UFO field. Someone takes that and fictionalizes it. And then what he does then is he sells it to Hollywood and becomes a multi-billion dollar franchise. But again, it's based only superficially on fact. Did it sell well, though, the graphic novels? Do you know, Martin? Uh, I don't know that they were published by a publisher that actually I started out with Malibu comics. And I remember um, they used to send out a bundle of everything that they published to all, all of their writers and artists every month. They were very generous about that. And I remember the early uh, men in black comics. Um, I don't know how well they sold, but they must've gotten some attention. Um, There was another comic book around the same time called uh, the silent invasion that uh, was set in the 1950s and uh, dealt with UFOs and men in black and uh, weird paranormal espionage and things like that, um, that I thought was a lot of fun. And uh, it would it would make an outstanding uh, TV series or, or movie, too, actually, because it was very, um, very set into the the Cold War aspect of things, and nothing was as it seems. You couldn't trust anybody. And this was before the X-Files, you know, so uh, it was something that I liked quite a lot. I wish there had been more of them. There's, But there's quite a, there's quite a number of, of issues of that one. Speaking of fiction based on fact, of course, someone I know was mentioning to me this book called The Secret History of Twin Peaks, a novel. I mean, of course, about the TV show. But what we call the prequel, this novel, is talking about UFOs. It's talking about Roswell. It's talking about the Shaver mystery. It's talking about Ray Palmer. Really, really strange, the influences of that. Thought this would be up your alley, Brent. Yes. um, Yeah, like the X-Files. I mean, you would be watching that show, and there'd be, uh, they talk about MUFON, Investigators of Fufon, the, the alien abductions, implants, uh, the men in black, all that good stuff, yeah. They Chris even Cotter mentioned was, NICAP a few times. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris Cotter was uh, working overtime to make all these conspiracy connections and, and aspects of, of uh, real-life ufology and incorporating it into his, his uh, storylines. Um I really, I really enjoyed watching it. Toward the end, though, I was kind of getting burned out. Uh, but uh, that was just me. <laughs> well, remember, David Duchovny left the series for a time. And then he came back towards the end. And then they brought it back years later. And then the overall overarching conspiracy was not that E.T. was running around loose, but that the government had taken technology from an E.T. presence early on 
and had engaged in all this conspiratorial behavior. I kind of think that was a letdown. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, that's probably part of why I just sort of, you know, kind of drifted away from it uh, toward the end. But, uh, it, it opened up conversations, you know, I mean, I go into work and, uh, I always kept a low profile, <laughs> um, at my work site, you know, about, I just went into work. I didn't want to get involved in, and, uh, talking about UFOs and, and, and paranormal and such. And, uh, uh, but, uh, all of a sudden X-Files comes on and then all these shows about the paranormal and UFOs on TV and, uh, things changed. Uh, before I left my job state prison down here in Clifton, Tennessee, um, they started a prison paper and they wanted me to write a, uh, monthly column on the unexplained. So, um, even after I retired in 2014 for about a year, they, they kept contacting me one more articles, uh, called rains and things. Rains and things. As long as there's a check involved, I guess it was okay. Well, it was no check. No, no. It's just one of those things. Um, that, uh, and, and then eventually they shut down the, uh, they stopped putting out the, the newsletter, they had better things to do, I guess, to figure. So take care of the inmates. Uh, as I say, it was a state prison. I worked as a, a storekeeper, uh, warehouse and commissary. So, uh, from, uh, 1985 to 2014 when I retired and, uh, now I'm full-time UFOs and paranormal and, uh, um, looking after the grandkids. <laughs> Which can be itself paranormal, I suppose. Sometimes, it, yeah, certain aspects of it, yep. <laughs> Keeps you busy. Then I saw all three of you questions which you may have answered before. In your family history, Brent, do we see any UFO encounters or anything paranormal? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I've... Uh, I wouldn't have thought that in the beginning when I started out in 1967, age 14, but over the years, uh, there have been things. I've seen some unusual lights. I always wanted to see a dome disc like, uh, you know, Martin had, and maybe it would land and I could go up and kick the uh, tires on it or something. And, uh, but yeah, there have been some psychic things that have, that have uh, trans- transpired. To and, you uh, specifically or members of your family? Well, to me and uh, members of my family, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's even, even with EVP type things. Uh, uh, you know, I experimented with uh, the ghost box and, and uh, uh, after, well, after John Keel died, I tried to... Uh, reached out to him and actually uh, was getting uh, coming through the uh, AM frequency of the radio uh, after asking for him. Um, so I don't know. I mean, because <laughs> uh, John Keel himself said that, uh, you know, those things were probably paranormal impersonations, the ultra terrestrials or the uh, elementals or whatever uh, was his theory. Um, but there were, there were things that, you know, transpired and, and, uh, I thought were pretty unusual and I shared the audio with different people, uh, 
who listened and uh, said, yeah, that sounds like one guy who, uh, Dan Drazen, uh, who is a friend of Keel's and traveled down to uh, West Virginia with him back in 1967 uh, and shared some of his investigations, uh, said that uh, one of the the John Keel voices I had sound, reminded him of, of John Keel himself. But anyway, uh, all I can say is I heard John Keel a number of times. And, I uh, always thought here if it happened to John Keel and he was contacted, he would tell you where to go and how to get there. <laughs> well, um, I, I haven't figured that part out yet. He hasn't, he hasn't uh, you know, given me anything. In fact, none of the parent entities uh, have ever given me anything other than just being interactive. Uh, nothing that actually helped me solve the UFO enigma. Uh, so I'm still stuck in, in that rut. But, uh, you know, it's uh, intriguing to, you know, document these cases and try to track them and try to make sense of it. Um, and uh, But there's a kind of a trickster element to a lot of it, either human or whatever, whoever's projecting these things, whether it's us unconsciously projecting or uh, some sort of alien intelligence projecting something, uh, maybe a mixture of both keep us on our toes. As Ray Palmer well, said so many years ago, Flying saucers are here to make us think. We're going to think about more from Brent and Tim and Martin and Jason and Gene. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores, building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. 
That's advertise at GCNlive.com. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, neighbors, we've asked our guests to hang with us for the After the Paracast podcast, where there are no restrictions unless we could be sued for it. We've been talking mostly about the graphic novel of Calvin Parker's book and how this is a fascinating way to look at a case. And maybe even, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, guys, maybe even get younger people to become interested What do you think, Martin, as somebody who's written comic book stuff? Oh, well, it certainly could. It's been my experience that, based on the the 30 or so kids' books that I've written, that um, this particular format is very attractive to kids. When I was a little kid and was reading my older brother's stacks of comics that they had all over the house, maybe reading's the wrong word, I was perusing them, I guess, but uh, couldn't really read yet. I can remember that a time when I couldn't read. I love the comics. You know, I mean, I could follow the stories pretty well. It did make me want to learn to read faster. So um, possibly this, this is, um, I want to stress though, that this is a, a, a pretty adult story. I mean, and by that, I don't mean, you know, having any uh, inappropriate uh, material, but it's a, uh, it's, it's, focused on, you know, a rather um, mature outlook of, of 
how one man has dealt with the unknown, basically. And I don't think that uh, that would be too attractive, probably, to, to a lot of kids. Some teenagers could probably get into it. But I think much younger than that, this might might not be their thing. But it's a good idea to somehow maybe one day do something that's more focused toward younger kids involving this. Uh, that's probably been done, but I'm not aware of it. Well, there have been children's books about UFOs. And I remember, I forget the comic book, Stanton Frieden was a character in a comic book at one time. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Leah Haley, I believe, did one, if I'm remembering right, back in the early 90s. It was more of a kid's book. It wasn't really a comic book. Uh, And someone else that I – oh, Kim Carlsdale. But I don't – I can't think of anything very recent, but, but, you know, I I don't see everything. so, uh, So I may have missed something along the way, somewhere along the line. But I do think uh, of for a lot of adults too that uh and i have friends who read uh, profusely and for some reason have an aversion to graphic novels because they think they're kids stuff Hmm. you know and and they know me so (laughs) i don't know why they think that uh i would be writing uh like down to them or something i don't write down to kids anyway uh but uh but several of these folks are have been interested uh in the ufo book uh, and have bought it and uh, enjoyed it. So um, it's a, at best, I think it's a nice um, introduction to Calvin's two two books, his two autobiographies, which of course can you know, contain more material than I could fit into this. We had a very finite, you know, page count for this that I had to make sure everything fit in it. But uh, Calvin could write on and on and on, you know, in his two books, uh, which he did. And one of the charming things to me, too, about Calvin's two books is uh, that he the deal that he made with uh, with Philip Mantle was that, you know, he said, OK, I'll write these these books. But he said, I don't want a single word changed. He goes, I don't care if I've misspelled something, if my grammar is off, punctuation's not existent. He goes, I want it to be exactly what I turn into you. And that's what you get. And I think it uh, I think it actually gives both books a, a lot of charm and a very personal voice. Well, in a situation like that, if someone's not a professional writer, another technique is to hire a writer to take the rough notes or the verbal descriptions and create something with it. But that also can create an artificial climate. Right. I think it's interesting what you said, though, about, you know, you had friends who uh, looked down on the whole uh, uh, graphic novel uh, format, and there does seem to be a conceit with a lot of people that graphic novels are nothing more than expensive comic books. And all somebody has to do is actually uh, read a few and, and see that it's a completely different creature altogether. Well, yeah, consider is, also uh, how things are different. For example, talking about DC Comics, and Martin has written for DC Comics for Batman and Superman, but the movies are in part influenced by graphic comics of these characters. I'm thinking also the Christopher Nolan ones, right, Martin? Right. You know, the, the, the peculiar thing about, uh, about the plethora of comic book movies that have been going on for about the past, I don't know, dozen years or so, I guess, is that you would think that that would increase sales in comic books, but it has not. Exactly the opposite's happened. You know, Marvel and DC both have multi-billion dollar 
uh, properties, but the comic books themselves have never sold as low as they sell right now. Um, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I don't write monthly comics um, anymore. Uh, and graphic novels are a good alternative to that because they actually get into the real bookstores. And they're on Amazon and so on and so forth. Individual issues of comic books are hard to find unless you live next to a comic book shop. Uh, they're wonderful places, but they're very few and far between. I mean, when I was a kid, you found comic books everywhere. In the drugstore, the grocery store, gas stations, the little spinner racks, you know, were everywhere. But um, but no more. You know, that's all that's that's in the past now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's peculiar. You would think that people who are loving these movies who maybe never read, say, an Avengers comic book would be rushing to have to see more about it, you know, or whatever. But that's no, that's not what's happening. Well, also, the thing about the comic book movies is that the special effects are tremendous, but they get wackier and wackier. You know, all the destruction, like the Man of Steel, kind of a modern rendition of Superman. And the last third of the movie, all they're doing is destroying Metropolis. <laughs> and I think that well, was very good. unfortunate. Not necessarily the scene where Superman has to break the neck of General Zod. Because yeah. I think, although people didn't like it, it made perfect sense in its context. I just thought, why did they have to destroy half of Smallville and most of Metropolis? It made very little sense from an artistic standpoint. It was just flash and nonsense and loud noises. Oh, well. Anyway, guys, we're going to have you back on the After the Paracast podcast. But now, are you guys going to work on another graphic novel or something? I'd, I'd like to. Philip has mentioned it a couple of times, just sort of bouncing around the idea whether or not um, I'd be interested. And I've told him I, I am. And I'd love to work with Jason again. So, um, you know, I hope I hope so. I, I, I don't know offhand what case that might be. Maybe Tim can uh, can uh, offer some suggestions. Martin, if someone wants to learn more about what you do, is there a site or somewhere we can check you out? Best place to go is uh, actually on Facebook um, or type in my name uh, for Google. For I have an Amazon authors page that has most of what I've had published, but uh, certainly not all of it. Jason, where can we find you? Yeah, I've got a Facebook page, uh, UF Only, and you can get all my details on there. Um, and generally, it's people that contact me and need image analysis and things like that done related to UFOlogy. But also, other information is on there as well. Quickly, Brent, where can we find you? Okay, Facebook, Brent Rains, and then, of course, I have an alternate perceptions uh, Facebook page. And then uh, my online magazine, AP magazine.info you can find us on x formerly twitter threads facebook it's the paracast everywhere this way people won't forget we also offer branded merchandise for the paracast at the paracast.shop with four logos to choose from and the paracast plus our streaming service we give you the show without the network ads higher quality audio the bonus after the Paracast podcast exclusive for Paracast Plus subscribers. To learn more, go to theparacast.plus. Use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, to get a 20% discount on five-year and lifetime subscriptions, theparacast.plus. 
Martin Powell, Jason Gleaves, Brent Rains. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it's been a pleasure. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.